Today we're going to talk to Anna Escamani, State Representative for District 47 of the Florida Legislature, and learn what it means to run a campaign while keeping a full-time job, and how your government can save time for its citizens at scale. Welcome to the Taking Your Time podcast. Hello, Time Hackers. It is my pleasure to introduce Anna Escamani. Born and raised in Orlando, uh, Representative Anna Escamani is the daughter of working class immigrants, and she's the state house representative for District 47 in the Florida legislature. I've uh, known Anna for a little bit and followed her around, and I've always found her to be an authentic vocal champion for all sorts of issues, whether it's LGBTQ equality, environment, affordable housing, and, you know, even things like health care and public education. She's always been a champion for the people. So thank you for agreeing to be on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, as are we, as are we. And, you know, maybe we could get started. I'd love to, before we dive into things, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your journey and how you got to where you are today. Oh, I would be so honored. And and actually, I know there's a unique connection here too, because you know my amazing big brother, Aria. <laughs> And so we all grew up along with my twin sister in Orlando. So we are local kids here. And my parents were both immigrants from Iran. They came from two different parts of Iran, but met in Orlando. So this has always been home for us. And we went to Orange County Public Schools, K through 12. And our family, we really struggled. And we struggled financially. We struggled with also health issues. My mom was diagnosed with cancer back when I was about nine years old. And it was a a battle that she fought courageously, but she didn't win that fight. And in 2004, we actually lost her to cancer. And I was just entering high school at the time. So there was so much to figure out. It was kind of almost forced to grow up really fast, you know, and I found a lot of, a lot of strength in that experience and having to navigate life without my mom, but also having my sister, my brother and my dad there, you know, our, our family, our family unit had to become stronger. And so I, I grew up, you know, having that sense of community despite despite loss. And so when I got to high school, I got involved in different uh, spaces, especially theater. I'm a, I'm a thespian nerd, so I love arts and culture. And went to the University of Central Florida where I got really involved with on-campus organizing and some of the issues you relisted. In the beginning, it just kind of finding ways to lift up the experiences and the needs of everyday people. And so... I would work in the nonprofit sector uh, for about six years, getting my grad program done as well at UCF, then eventually running for office. Back now in 2017, the 2018 cycle as a first-time candidate, flipping a legislative state house seat for red to blue and then keeping it in 2020 and continue to do the great work of serving the people of Florida. So that's a, that's a quick a quick uh, version of the of the origin, but it's it's been a hell of a ride. And we're super, super grateful to be in place so we can we can continue serving our community. Thank you for sharing that. What a beautiful story. And there's a lot to unpack there. I'd love to get into some of that today as well. But maybe we could start, you know, at the moment that you decided to run, because I imagine that that is not an insignificant time commitment. And not only that, I understand that you have some pretty short term limits as well. So this is not like something that just is a one and done sort of thing. I'm just curious, like when you think about, did you realize what, what kind of a time commitment was it? Did you realize that when you started out on that journey? I mean, first of all, I love this question because I don't feel like we talk enough about just the operations and 
and the mechanics of time, especially in our lives. I always joke that time is like my worst enemy. The also sometimes my best friend just kind of depends on, you know, how we're managing time. And I, I always remind myself that like I am in control. Like I, I have to be able to really dictate how much time is spent in different ways. But to your point, running for office is there's so much uncertainty there. And in regards to how much time is used, because first of all, it depends how seriously you're taking the the election itself. I mean, in my case, I knew it was going to be a, a tough seat. I knew that it was going to require a lot of fundraising, a lot of community events. And, and as you mentioned earlier, you know, it, it's 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 actually a part time legislature. And so when you're when you're serving, let alone when you're campaigning, you still need another source of income. And in my case, I, I, I had a separate job. I still have a separate job. That's my day job. So then you're carving out time to make sure that you're still addressing the responsibilities of your day job while now integrating this really intense schedule of events, fundraising calls, and and and, and also even just social media management or storytelling on platforms. That also takes time. So I, I don't think, I, I, I knew that it would be a serious time commitment, but I, I don't think you actually know until you're in it. And, and not just is it you spending your time, but then you're also inspiring folks to spend time with you. So now you're kind of responsible for other people's time and you, make, and you want to make sure their time is worth it, right? So that their experience is going to be one where they want to come back, where they feel like it was valuable. And then when you're managing a team, then they're going to need some of your time to help with their ability to accomplish a task. So those are all different elements of time that, you know, some of you expect, some that pop up, but it, it really is a serious time commitment. And it's, I always, Sometimes I joke that it's like a third shift, you know, like it's you have your first shift, your second shift. And there's like this, you got to find this time somewhere in the day. Right. And it's a third shift. It's at like 8 p.m. to midnight shift, you know, like trying to get those extra things done. So it's it's intense. It's definitely intense, but super worth it. I, I love this awareness that you brought to just thinking through, you know, the the actual commitment of the time, not just for yourself, but the overall person hours. Right. Like. Right. Of course, you had a huge commitment and involvement in this, but you also had a, you know, a, a, a full campaign of staffers that supported you and volunteer. And so, you know, multiplying all that together, it's like there's this, you know, singular event that, you know, it, it's recurring. But, you know, at, for, for that moment, it's a singular event. So I can imagine the, uh, you know, having a lot riding on it. Right. You're not just talking Absolutely. about your person hours. It's multiplied by all the people that are are there, you know, so I'm curious, well you've got, you know, so a day job, 40 hours, let's say typical, typical day job, right? What would you say to someone, like how many hours would you say to someone who is interested in starting a campaign today? Like, what would they have to be prepared to add on to that 40 hours, knowing that this is a, you know, part-time position on top of a full-time, you know, some other source of income that they have to have? Yeah, it's a great question. You can definitely say goodbye because weekends are weekends should be spent in community engagement. So in our case, it's a lot of door knocking. But you know that that those Saturday mornings of self care and kind of getting out of bed a little bit slowly does not happen in this work. Your Saturdays are spent on the fields and going to community events. So there's going to be time that comes out of your week. I would probably rank it at at least at least twenty hours a week at least. And then it will get more as the campaign gets closer to election day, mainly because you've, so there's the fund, fundraising is, should be a big piece of every campaign. And, and 
And fundraising is sometimes just like calling people to don't and asking them if they want to give. And even just the act of making phone calls um, is 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 a use of time. Also, meeting with donors like, you know, this week I had a few coffee meetings with my donors, just check in with them. It's not even it's it's a space for cultivation, right? To build a relationship. And so you guys spend the time to do that. You guys spend time connecting with your staff, spend time researching topics because you want to be able to understand what your community is dealing with. So you got to know the substance. So so I, I would put it at at least at least 20 hours a week. And I'll tell you that in the Florida legislature, right, you know, right now we're not in session. So my time is spent very differently when I'm in the district compared to when I'm in Tallahassee. When you're in Tallahassee, you don't even have control over your time at moments because your committee schedule is not dictated by you. It's dictated by leadership. And so you almost have to, to some degree, be comfortable letting go of your schedule just a little bit because that, you know, 12 to 2 period that you wanted to spend on a certain project can be gone because you have to go to committee. So there's also some flexibility here in public service where you kind of have to flow like water when it comes to how your time is spent. Yeah, that's I didn't even think about that because, you know, a lot of what I recommend to folks when they're when they're first starting out in time management is to really think about a week structure first and sort of have, you know, because obviously, you know, certain things like, you know, when you're sleeping, you know, when you're going to your day job and you sort of slot things in during the other times. And that's really helpful to kind of prioritize. But it sounds like this is more dynamic, right? Like even, you know, stacking a job on top of another job is not the full explanation because that seems sounds like it it has peaks and valleys if if there are such things as valleys <laughs> in this scenario but but you know yeah ha, you know has has a different you know shapes to you know yeah. spending on the time of year oh, so that's, that, that's, that's really interesting it's it's funny too i i think if you don't have i hate saying this but unless you have a flexible job that also doesn't doesn't bind you to that traditional 9 to 5 slot it's also very hard specifically to be in the legislature in Florida because it is a part-time legislature. So you're, you're not paid enough for to be a full-time job. And yet the time commitment is, is as if it is a full-time job. And so I'm very lucky in my day job. It's remote. I can work anywhere in Florida and it's not really a nine to five gig. It's, it is 40 hours a week, but those, those hours can happen. You know, it can start at 7 a.m. and take a pause at 10 and then you can do whatever you got to do and then get back to it. So I'm very lucky in that my schedule can be dynamic because I think if it was more like blocked out scheduling, it would be very hard for me to get all the things done that I have to get done and, and be there for constituents too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How, how would you say to someone, because I know a lot of the are in a similar situation in the sense of juggling, you know, maybe a primary job and maybe, you know, a side hustle. So you sort of have that, that similar thing going on where there's this competition and, and contention over your schedule and your time. At the same time, you made a point about, you know, that self-care Saturday morning of sleeping in, right? But you probably right. do have to take some mental health days or you wouldn't be able to sustain this um, totally. for as long as you have. So I'm curious if there are any thoughts uh, that come to you for others who have these, you know, situations where they're juggling multiple jobs, still trying to make time to be effective at both of the, at, at all of those jobs and maintaining sort of their sanity and mental yeah. health. What, what kind of things do you lean on? The self-care piece is really important. So I have, so one of the tactics I've, I try 
is to protect my Mondays as much as possible because Mondays are also, not only is it with the post weekend, so you kind of feel like it's a slow start, right? It can be hard to get out of bed on Mondays, but Mondays are typically when my email box is the worst because, you know, folks are getting back into the office, especially if you're someone in crisis, you look for updates on a Monday. And if you don't see changes, then you you reach back out to legislators and things like that. So Monday really has 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 trended to be kind of a busy inbox day for me. So our team, we try really hard for my Mondays to be computer time. And it sounds so funny when people, you know, they're like, hey, what, what's your plan tonight? I'm like, oh, it's computer time. And I'm like smiling about it because even just like the time to be at my computer is so hard to find. And so we have to carve it out to say like, this is Anna's computer time. Don't schedule her for anything unless it's urgent. Like she needs this to be in front of her computer. Because it's also the space where I, I'll write an op-ed, where I'll, I'll be able to process something or plan an event. And it's really hard to do that when you're just go, 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 go. So first of all, you have to find the space to like handle the heavier rocks, right? Like the heavier pieces that it's not just one email to solve that problem. It's going to take quite a, quite some time, you know, figure out some of these issues. So, so we try to protect Mondays. If we can't protect a Monday, we try to find those hours and the period of the week. But we always try really hard to try and preserve that, that Monday environment. Um, I also... I also lean on a lot of apps, you know, that kind of help with my self-care. So one app that I downloaded is Noom. And Noom has been a really great type of like healthy eating, healthy living type of app. And so it does give you some really great like psychology advice on like why you eat certain foods and to help you track what you're eating and be a little more mindful of that. And a part of that is also like, you know, getting some cardio in. I try to do 30 minutes a day, like, just of some sort of exercise. And so that's part of my, my, my physical health, but also mental health to have that space for expression. And then I try really hard to not book myself on Sundays if I can help it. Sunday nights are actually very busy for me because we have our back-to-back Zoom check-ins with our interns on Sunday nights. So once it hits like six o'clock on a Sunday, I'm like in work mode. So for the the earlier part of Sunday, I try really hard at let it just be me at the house, just kind of resetting a little bit. And oh, the other self-care thing that I do is when I eat, I try to sit down and eat. So I try not to eat like in a hurry. And then I also say it's better for a digestion as well. That too. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently when you hear yourself chew, you don't eat as much. So that's also like a part of like trying to eat better. And so so I try really hard to do that and, and put on something funny to watch, you know, to like wrap up the day. So, so those are some of my tactics that I try to integrate that self-care, you know, into my, into my, my schedule. That's great. No, I, I think I've, I've, I can see where you would need to sort of rely on a menu of things and probably based on the time that you have available that day, especially when things are, you know, a little bit more unpredictable, you sort of have to pick and choose. Maybe I have time for this decompression activity, but not that one. And definitely agree on the exercise. I think people underestimate the impact of the, of the link between, you know, physical health and, and mental health. And there's, there's some pretty uh, strong scientifically studied links there. So no, thank you for sharing. You know, I, maybe we could get into a little bit of some of your work at the legislature. I'm sure there are a number of bills uh, that you've uh, worked on that you're proud of and and have made a, a, an impact on the community. 
I'm curious if there are any that stand out as, you know, maybe being ones that save people's time or, or change the way that they spend their day. I mean, mm. you know, one angle right. could be transportation. Another angle could be like m- maybe providing services that would, would allow them that otherwise they would have to do on them, you know, by themselves without uh, any assistance or resources. I'm curious if anything sort of uh, s- sticks out for you. I love this question because I think that one of the biggest problems in government is is the lack of expediency, right? The fact that things take so much time. And one of the best examples I can share is just dealing with some of these government services around housing assistance and unemployment, which is where a lot of my time has been spent this past year is trying to get folks access to these benefits that are rightfully theirs and yet facing broken websites, uh, lack of staff capacity within the government agencies. And so you, you, you waste a lot of time just trying to get your benefits. And it's ironic I, because the time, I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. I've, I've heard, no, I was just saying, I've heard a lot of stories specifically in Florida with many people who, again, like you said, weren't able to access the benefits that were rightfully theirs, like literally just spending an entire day trying to submit a form on a website. So yeah, I'm curious, like how, how would you address that? Well, what a time waste, right? Like what a time waste. The, fo- the, the amount of time that folks spent was like a full-time job. I mean, and, and then the expectation to find a job while also dealing with this broken website was just like not clicking, right? And so uh, we need to put investments in the technology around government systems so that they are efficient. Because so many of these issues, it's not, it, it's, it's a balance between staff capacity, but honestly, a lot of it's technology. And government does not make investments in technology the same way a private company would, because especially when they are, when they are programs that working people use, because the assumption is that they don't need a working system, they don't deserve a working system. Mm-hmm. And so you don't see the same types of, and it's, it's not really frustrating too, because oftentimes you hear folks say that government should be run like a business. And, and I have a lot of concerns with, with that framing because government's not here to make money, right? So it really isn't a business. But I will say that if that's your philosophy, then why is the customer service so poor? Because <laughs> no business is going to survive if you have bad customer service, right? And so, so much irony here with my colleagues who subscribe to that, that, that philosophy because they're the same folks who've designed these broken systems or at the very least neglected them, allow them to break. So uh, we actually have filed legislation in the past and we were successful in getting funding allocated to move the, as one example, to move the unemployment website into a cloud-based server. Because one of the reasons why it struggles is that it, it does not have the ability to manage the website traffic. And, and we've even suggested, well, we should try to time the logins and say, you know, if, if your last name is a through C, you log in this hour, you know, try to break up the time, right? To slow down the traffic. But DO has never complied with those ideas. And so we're in this situation where folks continue to struggle, even just to log into the website, which is a waste of time. And but I think that this one example of, of efficiency is something that needs to be replicated in all elements of government because you shouldn't have to wait to get access to a DMV. You shouldn't have to wait to get an answer from even a lawmaker. But again, a lot of it is tied to capacity. You know, as an example, state lawmakers, we only have two staffers. I have about 150,000 people that I represent and we only have an office of three counting me, you know, pay. 
that's shocking, right? Because you think with a population that size, there should be more folks to manage the workload. But at this point in Florida, that's that's not the case. So I do think that, you know, areas where time play a role for me in my service is trying to make government work for folks and make it a much more efficient system. So you're not wasting time when you're engaging with government. It seems like, and and thank you for the articulating how you would sort of make those investments and why those invest, maybe some of the perception that might be another show to talk about, you know, if, if it's by design and all of that, that's not this show, right. but, <laughs> right. but right. I, you know, I am, you know, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to, is there something that would stop sort of the perspective of, hey, we have a budget, right? We we have a service that we are trying to provide, but, you know, a technology investment here, you can make the case of, we could even deliver that service at a lower cost than we are today. Right. So not just, right. you know, providing a better service, but, you know, saving the budget that we could reallocate toward other things that we want for the community. I'm just curious, is that, is, is there something that would be, is, is that behavior disincentivized? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I think that for, Safety nets in particular in the state of Florida, there really is not an investment in in ensuring that they are efficient and responsive systems. And again, I, I, I think when it's it's very much a leadership priority of where do they want systems to be better? Because I'll tell you, if it's a corporation that needs to get their corporate income tax re- you know, relief, like that happens pretty fast. Even the IRS, as an example, the IRS is so fast at letting you know that you owe them money and cashing that check compared to paying you your refund, right? Depending on the circumstances. And so it almost seems like the systems that uh, more wealthy folks interact with work a lot better and the systems where they're taking money from you work a lot better. And that's very much reflective of priorities of leadership, which is why I think that more folks expressing the frustration of time being wasted, right, is, is the game changer. We were only able to to get $38 $38 million to go towards fixing the unemployment system because of the public outrage. And candidly, we do we need a lot more and we, there's a lot more changes need to happen. But the fact that we were successful at least getting that piece of, of the budget was a reflection of folks expressing that their time was being wasted and that this was frustrating. This didn't make sense. And they're paying, they're paying taxes. Why is it, why is it not working? So I, I it just, it very much does emphasize the importance of being vocal because these are folks who typically have never been vocal before. And so government responded to their voices, but potentially it was one of the first times they even heard them. So we got to keep the pressure on. Got it. That makes sense. Well, I'm glad we were able to to get a, a portion of that resolved in any case. Um, sounds like a very good thing. You know, one of the things that we talk about is not just time within, you know, an hour or a day or a week. And those are important, but some things are on a much larger scale, right? Like when you think of your career or you think of your, your family or your, you know, country, your species, like those things don't move in, you can't measure many of those things in days. Right. And, and one of the thing, one of the topics that I know that you're passionate about as well is, is climate change and the environment. How do you think about that? I mean, it's such a massive problem and we all have our part, you know, I can spend some time and recycle or I can, you know, maybe buy something that's a little bit more expensive, but it's, it's better for the environment. But, you know, I can't, there's nothing that I can do as an individual 
to turn it around in a short amount of time. Like this is a, this is a collective problem. So how do you think about, you know, the, the amount of time that each person has to spend that the community and the resources that have to get pushed to that, like, can, can, is this something that we can solve in the time horizon where it's meaningful? Right. Right. Such a great question. You know, it makes me think about some, some research I've seen in the past where one of the reasons why so many, so many Americans in particular don't feel the sense of urgency around climate change because it seems like it's so far off. And so the deadline doesn't make sense. It's not tangible to them. And so there's been some dialogue among like environmental spaces that we have to make sure folks realize that the urgency is real and try to find ways that it feels more real. And that can be looking at the changes in climate, looking at examples of the parts of the country, other parts of the world that are already experiencing a changing climate and and also the ramifications of that. It's not just it's also the weather getting hotter. It's also droughts. And lack of water, you know, and try to help everyday people understand that this isn't philosophical fear. Like this is a very real life issue. And the small amounts of time you spend day to day will have an impact for generations to come. So my first reaction is just engaging with folks at a tangible level can be helpful to having their buy-in to actually care about this, this long-term issue, right? For the short term action. But time must be spent not only in your day-to-day living as the examples you provided so that your footprint is reduced and you're being more conscious. We also do have to spend time in advocacy. And and that requires time of researching the issue, researching the decision maker, reaching out to the decision maker, right? And voting. That, that, and those are, all, those are all uses of time that some folks will struggle to find. But we have to find a way to, to squeeze it into your day because even if each one of us, you know, make those small sacrifices of time to, you know, wash the plastic container to put in the bin or, or and not use plastic and br- bring our own dishes, right? And remember to do that and wash those too and et cetera, et cetera. There's arguments that like that's not going to be enough with the time that we have left compared to larger systematic changes. And larger systematic changes would require huge advocacy, so that we hold polluters accountable to a more to a degree that actually changes their behavior, right? Versus it's the cost of doing business. So so we gotta make sure we also found the time for the advocacy piece here. But but I do think that advocates have been doing um a, an effective job in trying to paint the situation so that it does feel more relevant to everyday people versus something kind of, you know, out of touch for them. Yeah, I think you're right. That time horizon does make it seem abstract. And so it's hard to connect those decisions that you make on a daily basis. And we talk about this on the show when it even comes to time and just recognizing that when you're dealing with a larger time horizon, really, you're still working in minutes and days and hours. Like that's still how real time happens and how decisions happen. And cumulatively, they will have an impact. But, you know, that's a great point is that unless you bring those targets down to something something daily or something a little bit more real time that's perceivable, then it, it might, it would be more challenging to, to be able to connect your contribution to the overall contribution. Absolutely. Well, I know we are running about running up on time here, but I wanted to take a moment to see, you know, 
you know, we've talked about a number of things in, in your life and how to sort of squeeze things into the schedule that you have. I know you have other projects that you work on and maybe other tips. Is anything that you want to share, things in the community? Is there a call to action that you have? I'd like to take a moment and I'll also share, you know, your website in the show notes and everything like that. But just wanted to Amazing. give you some, some space to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always a call to action, right? And and we try to make the calls to action not super time consuming because we know that when it is time consuming, you know, folks struggle to to find the time. And so even the 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 act of inspiring action, we have to be thoughtful as servant leaders to how much time we're asking of people. And so the one ask I will make is to make sure you are registered to vote. I know for those listening, it feels sometimes that that's not worth the time because nothing changes in politics and it doesn't matter, right? But I hope I, hope I serve as an example of the opposite. That does matter that when you actually do vote and engage in the process, folks that come from the community, folks who care about the community, actually get elected and, and are in a position to to have an impact. And so we do have uh, a voter registration initiative that we've launched ourselves. And the website to check out our online voter reg portal is peoplepowerforflorida.com slash vote. And that's all one word, all spelled out, peoplepowerforflorida.com slash vote. Talk about being efficient. You could check your voter status and register vote online. Don't have to go anywhere and it will take minutes to do. So definitely check that out. And if you are as for vote, share that link with your friends and family and make sure everyone in your in your network um, is ready to vote because we do have some city elections coming up this November in Orlando. But more importantly, I think will be the the, the statewide elections come 2022. Well, perfect uh, time saving and convenient uh, action for this audience to take. So thank you very much. And thanks again uh, for for coming on the show and sharing your story. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. This was awesome. And I hope everyone had an awesome time and continues to use their time wisely. Hey folks, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like the show and like others to hear about it, it really helps us out if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the number one way other listeners find the show. Thank you for listening and remember, life is how you choose to spend your time. Please use it wisely.